Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. And our first podcast in the start, well, after the start of the new season. I was wondering where the heck you were going with that. You stopped at our first podcast. I'm like, dude, we've done this a few times before. Trying to figure out how to get to that point of, you know, we had race one of the season. Mm-hmm. We, we actually watched it. I, I watched it live. Did you? Um, I watched it on time delay because I felt like watching it on time delay. I watched it live. I, I wanted to be able to fast forward through the commercials of Grand Prix Sunday. Mm. See, I didn't get a chance to watch Grand Prix Sunday, but we, the group I was with went to breakfast that morning and <clears> it was everybody finish up quick because the race is going to start and two of us are race fans. <laughs> and as we walked back to the location where we were spending our Sunday, we were in the middle of the street and I started the race so that we could see lights out. I was standing outside. Well, at least you didn't get run over. Well, the street was closed because building is falling down across the street. There were bricks everywhere. It was kind of scary, but. All righty. Yeah. So N- nice I was no risk were... of actually being run over or hit by a flying brick. I was going to say, nice to know you hang out in all the coolest spots. That's, it was a derelict building. It's going to fall down. It was behind a church. I think it might be church property. But this year, this year, I am endeavoring to resurrect something that we have not done since we moved the podcast studio to its location overlooking the fabulous sixth fairway of the red tail golf club okay the results of the fan well the standings are a recap of the standings for fantasy gp i totally know why you did this and it has nothing to do with reuniting this. that is not true at all <laughs> oh yeah i said i wanted to do this long before the season started uh-huh. i said it back in december uh-huh I have no memory of such things. Of course, because you, t- you blocked it It was not it recorded. Out. It did not happen. You blocked it out. <laughs> it was not recorded. It did not happen. Race 1 of the 2023 season saw big results from Michael's Mach 5 racing, racking 201 points on the weekend, with the next closest competitor, Phil's Team Rocket, coming in with 173 points. Jim's There's No Crying in Baseball was third with 160 points, while Trish's The Bird team had, was just one point behind in fourth place. And it was a difficult weekend for Vicky's Housecats, who came in fifth with just 72 points. There's still time to join us for free by signing up at www.fantasygp.com and then entering the league code 148-31491. That's 148-31491. Congratulations! I for wasn't your even looking for any record. Week win. I wasn't even looking for any recognition there. Uh huh. And I didn't even make the. I, I thought about it, but I didn't even do something of like that. This was a Red Bull esque Max Verstappen Bahrain first race gap that was pulled. It didn't go there. It is a long, long season, and you have a proven record of abject failure in fantasy gp so i have no fear that is not true i have won before i won our first year i don't think you had any real competition that year 
I won our first year. I'm just saying I won last year. And? I'm just saying. You didn't win the years before that. You didn't win the years before that. So you want to go rub it in. I have beaten you more and years actually, than you have beaten you me. You are the one who is making a much bigger deal out of it than I am. Yes, because that's the way I am. Have you not ever noticed that I am a poor loser? <laughs> 25 years you have known me and you have just now started to realize that I do not lose well. Well, you haven't jumped up and done the giant L on your forehead. Yet. And I would never. Yet. I Poor have, loser. All I am going to say Poor is that loser. I have beaten you more times than you have beaten me in Fantasy GP. Still go back to the poor winner. Also true. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations. In all honesty, congratulations for a stellar week. I do not know. It is know- just a week. I, I was actually being nice. Now shut up. I was still saying you're making a big deal, bigger deal out of it than I think it actually is. I thought it was really impressive that you got the entire podium. You swept the podium. I thought that was impressive because I would never have put Alonzo on the podium at all. Well, that's because you hate Alonzo. Well, there's that. <laughs> it Much like where you have finally gotten to the point that you're willing to put Verstappen on the podium, it's going to take a couple of years before you're willing to do that with Alonzo. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm trying to be a better person. Anyway, so... You had a good week. Verstappen had a good week. Red Bull had a great week. And Aston Martin had a really good week. But overall, the race wasn't that great. No. There was a really good series of passes between Alonzo and George. That Honestly, not just Alonzo and, and George, but even when he passed Carlos Sainz. Alonso had some good passes, and we all know that that is painful for me to say in my out loud voice. Yeah, um, but he did. He had some good passes this past weekend. Um, I really, I that was like four corners with George that was absolutely st- stellar, and I honestly thought George had it and he was going to keep it, and then it was like, ooh, right there at the very end. It it was still it was a great battle for a couple of laps there. Mm-hmm. I really thought he was going to take out more of his tires. And so I thought it was going to yeah. come, it was going to bite him in the end. And unfortunately, the race ended before it bit him. But overall, though, Mercedes did not come away particularly happy from this weekend. Um, from what we saw and what we heard, it started, oh, Saturday night. Uh-oh. Um, with a lot of frustration over... Um, the clear gains that did not occur with the car. You know, what we have seen and and what Mercedes said they had set out to fix and they thought that by fixing these issues would resolve everything else is we have seen that Mercedes has fixed the worst of the problems with last year's car, particularly when it comes to the handling and the bouncing. Um, and Lewis remarked, uh, post-race that, you know, he's feeling really good over the fact that this is the first race in a while that he doesn't feel like he's had his teeth shaken out of his head. Um, 
unfortunately, what we have not seen come with those fixes is performance gains that kept pace with the rest of the field. And I think that's the best way to put it. What it looks like we saw, at least coming out of qualifying, is that once again, the car's three tenths down. Mm -hmm. If not more. And they've been passed by not just Ferrari now, but it's looking like Aston Martin. And Saturday night, we started hearing comments coming from Toto Wolff that it was time for some drastic changes. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to hear the indications that there is the realization that despite what they want to tell us, that the zero pod concept is not why they're struggling with the car, it sure looks like the zero pod concept is why they're struggling with the car. It may, I mean, the root cause may not be the zero pod con, uh, concept, but it's not helping them. I, you know, I, I think at, at this point, even if it truly is faster, much like, you know, changing your, your suspension from pull rod to push rod, it, it may actually be faster, but it's so hard to get right. And they're on such a knife edge. I don't think they can get it right. That's that's the concern. That's the concern is how fast could you get it right? And you've had a season and a race and it's still not right. So it may be time to have a serious rethink. And like I said, we started to hear from Toto first of the frustration and the annoyance. What has really, I think at least to those outside of Mercedes, come off as a massive warning sign of of trouble ahead, are these comments from Lewis post-race. It's it's really, it's really about, um, you know, last year there were things, I told them, I I said the issues that are with the car. Like I've driven so many cars in my life, so I know what a car needs, I know what a car doesn't need. Um, And, I think it's really about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? It's not, we didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. And we've got to work. We've got to look into the balance through the corners, look at all the weak points and and just hurdle up as a team. That's what we do. We've got, we're still multi-world champions, you know? It's just, they haven't got it right this time. Um, they didn't get it right last year, but that doesn't mean we can't get it right in the course. You know... When you told me about these comments, I, I honestly, I thought Lewis had pulled an Alonso. I really did. Kind of got he that. hasn't gotten that far yet. But he, he gets really quiet at the end of those comments. But I think that, you know, I've always said Lewis is a class act. And I still believe that. And it's one of the reasons why I'm a huge Lewis fan is I, I think that he really gets that deep concept of teamwork. and. Mm-hmm. The appreciation that it's not him by himself, and it this it, it it he, while I know he has to have an ego, you you do to do this type of thing. It really feels like he works very hard to be more inclusive to his team, and those comments on their own are very very hard to hear because Lewis is typically not negative, um, and especially around his team, but. I think that what he said very low at the very end is so pure Lewis, it's not funny. 
it's the idea of we're still a multiple, we're still a multi-year champion. We have the ability to fix this. We can do it. And it was, and those are the things he said it towards the end. It's, yeah. you know, people are going to highlight and, and jump down the idea of, I told them what was wrong and they didn't address it. And that's probably what the pundits are really going to go after because it's pretty damning. But I love the sense of hope that's at the end of that. And that's so Lewis. Well, the, I mean, put it in perspective. And, and, and this is why everyone's latching on to Lewis's initial comments is because Lewis is, and, and historically has been, especially since he's been at Mercedes, one of the biggest cheerleaders for the team and the things that the team are doing. And to hear Lewis come out, even in that fairly subtle way, mm-hmm. to come out and speak like he did and say something like, I've got a lot of experience and I said this wasn't working and he didn't listen to me. That is, I mean, that, that that's kind of earth-shaking when, when you look at how Lewis normally speaks about his team and, and the I, folks on his team. I agree. And my hope is that we're not going to get a return of Moody Lewis because Moody Lewis doesn't drive well. But I know he's frustrated. And you've got to feel that frustration. I I don't know if this is a potential return of Louis, Moody Lewis yet. And I say that because if you listen to the full interview, and this came from uh, Five Live Formula One, it, it's in their podcast, it's in the, the latter half of the podcast. He's fairly upbeat until this part of the conversation. You know, and, and, and it's one of the things that, that they remark on the show is that given the struggles with the car, they didn't see Moody Lewis. They expected to see a more frustrated Lewis and a more upset Lewis. And all weekend, he was fairly upbeat, which caught them completely off guard. So I don't think there's the risk of that. But I do think that if you're Total Wolf and if you're Mercedes and you know that you have this contract hanging over your head, and let's be honest, when it comes to playing the media and playing the messaging game through the media, Lewis is one of the better ones in the paddock about twisting his words around in the media to get what he wants. I, I 100% agree. Absolutely 100% agree. And I also think that because of the way Lewis historically talks, I think this is one of those moments where if you're Toto, if you're Mercedes, it's, whoa. You know, this is that moment where you've got to take, mm-hmm. uh, pay attention to it. You have got to step up and say, okay, we've tried this long enough and our willingness to continue to try it has to be limited and ending. Well, that that is that that is something that they are definitely talking about. Um, at, at this point, Mercedes, from what we're hearing from the comments from Andrew Shevlin, from Total Wolf, and from others, 
is that radical change is needed. Mm-hmm. So what they're talking about so far, um, one is Total Wolf has made it very clear, especially with the pressures of the budget cap, they cannot do dual development of car. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no, you know, you keep working on this one until we think a B-spec car is ready to go later in the season and roll that out because the budget cannot handle it. They're going to need to settle on a concept very quickly and go that route. So if they decide to outright abandon this zero pod concept this year, they've got to do it right now. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the things that they were looking at. They did have what they've called significant changes to the side pods. And they have been very insistent that this is not a mirroring of the, the larger side pod route that Red Bull and Aston Martin and others have gone. But they did have a change to the side pod design scheduled for the Emilia Romana Mate in Italy, they, they added something else to it. I think it's like Emirates too now, if I remember correctly. It, it, it's gotten even longer. But it was for the, the Imola Grand Prix. There was a upgrades changed. What they're saying though is now when they look at the numbers and they look at the gap, yes, it would have gained them some. It's not going to gain them enough to make the difference that they want. The way the team is talking, and and quite frankly, it's the right way for them to talk, but the way that they're talking is this is not a, we want to clean up the car, we want to make it better so that we can target Ferrari, so that we can target Aston Martin, so that we can target not first place. Mm. We want to clean it up. If we cannot get, we want a car that is in championship form. And at this point, they're talking that they do not believe that this will get them there in any way, shape, or form. Oh. The next thing you've got to wonder and you've got to ask is, well, okay, when? Yeah. How long is it going to take to come back out out of this direction and this path and go in a different one? Obviously, it's not going to be overnight. Obviously, it's going to take some significant time in a wind tunnel um and well, at least they've got more wind tunnel time than ferrari and and red bull yeah. but uh <laughs> yeah yeah word is that despite at least publicly they are still embracing and talking about how this is a no blame culture mm-hmm. um there may have been an ultimatum handed down to the aerodynamicists because he got it wrong the first year and then did it again. And this is now the second year that this car is not at the level they expect it to be at. Exactly. And not by a long shot. Yeah. And even great strategy can't overcome poor design. Uh, Especially not what we're seeing now. You know, you look at the the lead that um, Max Verstappen managed to get out there and you're not beating him on strategy. You've got to have the pace in order to get on top of that. Um, 
what they know is that um, they're okay for single lap pace, but they're lacking downforce. They're sliding on the tires, and as a result, they're moving backwards. Right. They're not getting the progress that they need. So how they get the downforce that they need. And of course, that's the other challenge that they've, they've dealt with. Of Last year, they had plenty of downforce, but it, the way it was activating and the way it was working, they were bouncing. So they've tweaked the downforce so that they're not bouncing, and now they don't have enough downforce, period. Yeah. Which was the catch-22 they were dealing with with the porpoising was, mm-hmm. you know, the answer to the porpoising reduced the power, because yeah that's how you solve that and you raise the floor height and yeah that's the problem is that's where that knife edge thing is is really biting them in the bottom so the other i think big story is aston martin oh yeah well that and um esteban ocon getting all of the penalties all of them. Just when you thought there were no more penalties to be had, he gets another one. I'm convinced he got a penalty for getting a penalty. Um, he he, he did. did. He didn't serve it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he got a penalty for not serving a penalty right, but he got a. He, at some point, I'm like, he's getting penalties just because he got a penalty. Yeah, he got a penalty for not serving it right, so you had to come back in. Oh, but wait, you got another penalty because you sped it in the pit lane when you come in and serve your penalty. Yeah. You know, you remember years ago, a couple of years ago, when George was at Williams and the statement that we would make was that's the most George thing that happened because it was was the bad luck on top of bad luck on top of bad luck. Yes. That was Ocon. That was his race. All of George rubbed off on Ocon. Well, they are buddies. Yeah. Ocon, uh, stop hanging out with George so much. <laughs> George went up to Mercedes and all the bad luck went someplace else and you just caught it all. So over at Aston Martin and the, the drive that Fernando had, and we're still not rooting for Fernando. This is not like last year when we went, ooh, Ferrari's got a, cho- got a chance. We're going to root for Ferrari. I'm still not a, Fer- a Fernando fan. And it's going to take a lot for me to root for Aston Martin and a Laurent Stroll own team. It's going to take a lot. You know. Possibly an Aston Martin. <laughs> Lawrence is not arranging that for you. No, he's not, which means I'm not going to root for the team. Here's the thing. I'm not an Alonzo fan. We know this. I have historically felt like Alonzo makes really dumb decisions for Alonzo. This might be the first time he actually made a good decision. Martin Brundle said that. (laughs) During the race (laughs) this past week, Martin Brundle actually said those words. Yep. Um, But here's what I know as reality. Fernando is a really good race driver and has historically outdriven the car he's given. He's flattered it. He's always flattered the car. Mm-hmm. But he's always put the car well ahead of where his teammate could be or where the car, quote, should be. be. Yeah. And I think that that's what we saw on Sunday. I really think that that's what we saw. Is I'm not convinced that 
I mean, I think Aston got it better, more got more writer than Mercedes got. But I'm not convinced that the reason he was on the podium wasn't more to do with his ability to flatter that car than they are that good. And and that's one that's fair. Um two that actually does speak a lot to how good of a driver Alonso is and the form that he's in at this point in his life. And I think that's impressive <laughs> considering he's an elder statesman. What I really want to see, um, and, and I don't think I've ever really thought this way before about any other matchup, but what I would really like to see, knowing how good, especially Alonzo is, at those rocket ship starts, mm-hmm. of especially given how closely these cars appear to be matched, would be an Alonzo Verstappen in front row in these cars. That, I think, would really tell us where the car is pace-wise. Because one thing that I think made it difficult to tell how wh- how much that Aston has gained was Fernando was so much further back. A good part of his drive was a recovery drive. Mm-hmm. And as he got closer to the front, you know, the Ferrari started struggling and having problems. The Mercedes were not there. And those car slowed him down and he had to burn tire to get past him Mm -hmm. it wasn't that george pulled over and let him pass yeah he he wore his tires a bit those laps to fight george to fight lewis i mean you you said mercedes wasn't there but mercedes wasn't letting go yeah you know they still fought and they had fight um it just it wasn't the thumb was on the scale on the other side but they had fight and Ferrari had, you know, they had their issues, but they were fighting. And you're right. Alonso had to fight through all of that. Um, and that's kind of a hallmark of his career. He's not been a P1 start, typically. He typically has to come through the field. Yeah. Well, uh, recently. Yeah. And so I think that that's a, it's an interesting <clears throat> thing. If, if we could put them both on the front row, what would that look like? That'll be an, that would be an interesting matchup. I also think that what would be very telling for Aston as a team is watching the delta, because you know there will be, yeah. between Alonso and Stroll. Uh, I, I know Alonso will out-qualify and outpace Stroll. In fact, I wish that was one of our prediction questions because that's the way I would have said it was, you know, I would guess that he's going to be ahead of Stroll in every race, Barna. And, but it's, what is the delta? Stroll's underdriving the car. Alonso overdrives the car. So where the car really is is probably in the middle. Well, since you brought up Stroll, what was the deal with Fernando and the amount of bubbling praise he's been throwing at Lance? It's daddy's team. Well, I get... I, I get that, A, it's daddy's team, and I get that, you know, he he kind of has some idea of where Lance came from, having his own preseason cycling incident this yeah. time with a car and that knocked him out. But even for Fernando, it seemed a bit over the top. 
And uh, honestly, from the media in general, because I did really have an issue with the media talking about how brave Lance was to drive. That wasn't bravery. What happened was not at all bravery. It was persistence. It was dedication. It was not bravery. Okay. Yeah. But I will say our pundit friends don't always use words correctly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I, I heard it in a lot of corners and, and it bugged me. Yeah. Um, I wonder, given Fernando's history of teammate rivalry in the paddock, I wonder if Lawrence might have pulled him aside and said, look, this is my expectation. And maybe the effusive praise is a way of ticking the box early so that if he gets frustrated, he's kind of banked some some praise. <coughs> because I'll grant, Alonzo has, quote, tried to get along with his teammate at the beginning of every season. Mm-hmm. But the minute it starts not going his way is when he screws up. And his mouth goes faster than his brain could possibly and, go. And not just his teammate, but the team itself. Right. It, the minute that this car lets him down, you know, are, are we going to hear the latest revision of GP2 engine? Exactly. Now, honestly, it's not the first time that it's going to let him down that <clears throat> we will hear that. Yeah. It has to be a repeated letdown. I think he's got that level of maturity now. But also, we don't necessarily know about, you know, he, he, he's been in and out of the sport. Maybe some of that time has weighed on him and changed perspective a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I, I will say I'm not a fan, but I honestly think he's going to be one to watch this season. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's going to be interesting to see where the team actually ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, we have also heard quite a few rumors, and, and I think it, it's really going to depend on the state of the car, but we have heard rumors that if the car, if the Mercedes is not, they cannot get it onto form this season, and they don't believe that they can do a redesign that will, there are rumblings that, the better power units, the and and I I use that loosely because the power units that the constructors are supposed to be supplying to their customers are supposed to be the same. There may be difference in software and things like that, but word is that Aston may get a favorable supply for the remainder of the season if they can't if Mercedes can't get the car where they want it to be. Honestly. That to me just sounds like rumor and I'm not convinced. On one hand, it could be rumor. On the other of, it depends on how much Toto's hatred of Red Bull and and, and Christian Horner is. If, if they think that Fernando's going to, is the way to challenge Red Bull, I could see Toto doing that, especially since Toto is friends with Lawrence. I could see that if Toto believed that Aston actually could take the fight there. Maybe. And that's a whole lot of ifs yeah. in that sentence. But here's the thing. A hallmark of our show, 
being much more even keeled than is our... that we don't like Aston Martin. No. <laughs> no, that's not where I was going. Oh. We are not like the Sky News and the BBC pundits where one success indicates the end of the season. Well, there is that, but mm-hmm. you will instead just declare undying loyalty to one driver. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I've made no bones about favoritism. I've made no bones about favoritism at all. But we do not, and we have never, and I hold to this, say that one Stellar's performance equals a stellar season, nor True. do we say that one lousy performance ends the season. Well, we we came close to that last year with Ferrari. And then Ferrari showed us what it's like to be a, a Chicago Cubs fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little rough. It was. It started off strong. There's all the hope in the preseason. And then the first pitch goes out and it's you know, it's over. It's over. Well, no, they made they made it past, past the first race. The first race. It was race two that things the, the wheels started to fall off. Literally. Anyway, moving forward. So while we're talking though about the Aston Martin, you know, s- since Christian Horner needs a villain to go after, mm. and Helmet Marco, well, he just you know can't keep his mouth shut. Um, comments coming out of the Red Bull camp about how quote flattering it is to see their design echoed in another car. <laughs> God, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And, you know, this is one of those things that at first I was like, oh, shut up, quit whining. And I was like, well, okay, let's put this in perspective to the conversations that we've had in previous years with this team. Because Aston Martin ripping off parts from somebody else is not unusual for them. But in this case, because of... <clears throat> the overall design of the car and you know teams are starting to figure out now that we're a couple of years into these regulations what works what doesn't where you need to adapt and where you shouldn't mm-hmm. for the general design concept of a car to start getting echoed should not be a surprise no by the end of any rules package all the cars generally look the same for the most part and you know, even the pundits were turning around and saying while we were in testing, well, every team has taken the general idea of the Red Bull concept and applied it to their car with the exception of Mercedes and their zero side pod. Because Red Bull is A, being successful with it and with having that general side pod shape and design that works. Yeah, but didn't the Aston also take a little bit of a, a stab at what Ferrari did with the bathtub design and a little bit more channeling of that bathtub? I I, th- I think um, the the slope at the back of the side pod um, appears to be a mix of the Red Bull design and the Ferrari design. I think from what I can tell. But, I mean, we've... We've seen Aston do this before. Let's remember mm-hmm. the, the pink Mercedes and, you know, the, the brake duck scandal and all of these other things. It's not new. Yeah. 
It's not. And this time, it doesn't sound like they have reproduced enough that the FIA is even concerned. Exactly. Letter of the law. <laughs> up to the letter. Up to the edge of the rules. <laughs> but not a toenail over. <clears throat> so Ferrari, um, they have been trialing a single post uh, rear wing. Mm. Now, it, the design's intended to clean up the airflow with, to the wing, um, hopefully allow them to, you know, redirect air where they want it to do. The problem is the design, well, in testing and in free practice, it's causing DRS issues. It's causing things to flutter. Yeah, I can imagine. They've reverted back to the older style wing for the race. They're determined to keep going down this road, though. They're going to bring it back a bit more. We'll see if it actually works or if it actually breaks something. Interesting. Um, and McLaren and their disaster. <laughs> you know, actually, before I even talk about that, and, and, and I think we had mentioned it last year that McLaren was playing with um, a new way to display advertising on the car, which would allow them during a race to change sponsors for sponsorships to flip. Um, basically, it's e-ink technology that it can change a panel. Mm. They got clearance to run it. And I believe they have. The thing is, where they are running it or they can running it, I don't think it's in a spot that anybody can really notice. Interesting. So it's on the side of the, the car that by the drive where the driver sits in the cockpit it's just off to the left and right there the sides but it's facing up hmm yeah so maybe only caught by the camera i'm not sure what catches it interesting but it's an e-ink display they have permission it means that that you know for the first time ever an, an f1 car can change its sponsors throughout the race doing well you get this sponsor doing poorly you get this sponsor yeah. and you do really bad they're just going to take the sponsors off completely exactly <laughs> sponsorship it's like only if you are fifth and above can you display my logo <clears throat> there you go that that that's how it'll work yeah. financial incentives and when you can um well mclaren has a new wind tunnel under construction um clearly they need it because yeah. things didn't go well um some of it was mechanical um, lots of pit stop practice. Yeah, lots of pit stops. A whole lot of pit stops. How many pit stops did Norris have? Five pit stops. And it was all to top up the the oil or hydraulic fluid or something. Air. Air. It was to top up air pressure. Um, they changed steering wheels once. Yeah. Um, so he did have a five-wheel change at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, five pit stops. And you'd think at least one of them, they would have figured out how to get like a fastest pit stop out of it. But no. <laughs> Five times in one race, you could have at least tried for fastest pit stop. No. No. Because too many things were broken. But um, new wind tunnel is coming. They expect that they will be able to start using it for car development in June. Um, according to Andrea Stella, who is the new team principal, mm -hmm. um, the... They're working on calibrating it, but everything works. He's like, oh, yes, you can stand at it now, and it'll blow you around, and it gets windy, <laughs> and you can hear the machines running. and So it's really exciting that it's coming. It's not here yet. 
So they, the first reference car they expect to put in in June for car development and testing. I hope it helps them. Um, upcoming changes. So let's talk about race change first that we know about. Um, the upcoming Spanish Grand Prix in Barcelona, another change has been made to the track. So if you remember last year, they re- reprofiled, I think it was turn 13. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one that when you see the overhead shot, it says Circuit de, de Catalunya. They changed where that is and, and tightened that turn up a little bit. Um, they have now removed the final chicane, oh, which is how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means that we will have a longer, faster run to the finish line at Barcelona. Oh, that's cool. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but also upcoming is they're tweaking qualifying. That's always dangerous. Yeah, and and at first when I saw this, I went, oh no, because all I could remember was 2016. And... Remember that one time when we had that experiment and it was done for, one, oh wait, two races and nobody liked it? That the, one. The guy who was on pole wave flag to end the qualifying, the checkered flag to end the qualifying session because it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, this does not appear to be like that. So... Still the the normal qualifying format. What the changes that they're going to test out. It's going to be two qualifying races or two qualifying sessions this year. Um, Imola will be the first one. Um, It's up in the air as to what the second one will be. It'll probably be after uh, the mid-season break. But right now the way qualifying works is drivers essential. Well, first off, in general for the weekend... Each driver has 13 sets of tires. Mm-hmm. They want to dial that back, you know, cost cutting, all of that. Um, so from 13 sets to 11 sets. Um, as qualifying works today, essentially teams can run whatever. They have free tire choice mm-hmm. with the stipulation of, um, you know, qualifying is a special soft. I thought only the top 10 in Q3 got the the extra soft. Yeah. And I think we, we've since taken away the whole thing of your fastest time set on whatever tire in Q2 is the one you have to start with. That, oh, I think, is now gone. That was a couple of years ago. They pulled yeah. that one away so that people would push in Q2 a little mm-hmm. bit harder. Um, but yeah... If you make it to Q3, you do get an extra set of soft tires. Um, But anyway, what they're looking to do is actually regulate the tire choice by qualifying session. Yeah. You know, what we have seen a lot of times is teams will try and go as deep as they can on a harder tire so that they can preserve the softer tires for the race. Correct. Correct. Or preserve more soft tires for the race or something along those lines. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll run, if the preferred tire is a, a, a soft, they'll run the medium in Q3 or Q1 to see if they can use that to get into Q2 before they start working off the softer tires. They don't get that option. In this um, test, they do not get those op- the option. So as it, pl- as it is planned right now, Q1 will be the hard tires. And we've had a lot of weekends where you don't see hard tires. Mm-hmm. 
Q1 will be required to be on the hard tires, mediums in Q2, and softs, softs in Q3. And if any session is declared wet, then tire choice becomes free. But if you're down two sets of tires, I think teams will probably try and stick with it. I don't know. Yeah. But that's what's going to be interesting is how that plays out. It will be very interesting. What I think the, I mean, I always, after the 2016 debacle, I keep having to think about what what is the unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that we are going to see the same people going through each session. Because one of the things that some of the slower teams can do that helps them get into the advanced sessions is mix mix up the tires yeah you know uh, uh, do do a dive bomb run on on soft when everybody else is running mediums and you automatically pick up a couple of tents and maybe you get at least into q2 or and then you'll be at the back end of q2 but Mm -hmm. you're at least ahead of all the q3 people or the q1 people or you know you, you start your session on the softs there's an incident that red flags it while everybody else is still on the harder tires and you have that advantage that gets you a little bit further up the grid. This neutralizes that. It would completely neutralize that. So that's where I think the in- unintended consequence is going to happen is that we will see the same people. There will be no unexpected, ooh, look, Hulkenberg made strong. it into Q3 by the, you know, the hair of his chin, chin, chin. I think it's going to be a while, but I don't think you're going to be able to spot that in two tests. No, that's, um, but that's... I, I think there's a good possibility. I just don't think in two tests it's going to... Exactly. But at least they're going to test it and not roll it out for the season like they did in 2016. Hey, well, this is what we're going to do. And won't it be awesome? It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at least they learned that lesson and I got to give them points for learning. Let's, let's test it once and twice and maybe see what happens. Now, they didn't listen to the fan base about sprint races. Um, so I I go back to only 9% of people want sprint races. Well, next week, remember, we no longer race as one. We race in Jeddah. (laughs) okay um but uh yeah that brings us to the end so with that we will call it a show call it a show we are so glad you came bye 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 now bye 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 remember please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle thank you okay bye bye now bye 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 (laughs) okay are they all gone? Uh, is, is there is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. Whew.